Should we be eating cake while we're doing this? Maybe one one last bite. I'm good. I'm I'm full now. I'm past capacity. You had all your wings. Yes. Cue. Opening theme. closing okay here we go the start of our podcast welcome welcome everyone this is disqualified this is a sports podcast in case you're tuning in for the first time it probably is because this is our very first episode Woo! all right so i am here my name is michael rodriguez i will be your loyal fearless host as we take this journey and teach all of you listeners out there what the sports world really is like. So if you're wondering what exactly is disqualified, where did this idea come from? So my connection to sports, uh, I'm not really a journalism major or anything. I'd like to consider myself a casual sports fan. I've always been really into sports, but I've always been surrounded by people and friends who have no idea anything about sports. And so they're always asking me, Micah, what does this mean? Micah, what is, explain the rules of this. Micah, what does that mean? So I thought, why don't I just create a podcast where I go over the rules and the history of the major sports and the minor ones as well for any casual sports fans out there who are just interested in kind of casually keeping up with what's going on. Because don't you hate it when, you know, you go to ex-casual social event and people are talking about a sport and you're like yeah I don't I don't know what the difference between a LeBron James and a Leo Messi are if you didn't know what the difference between those are this is the right podcast for you this is the right one for you uh so I am here with our first guest who is Mark Maelstrom please please introduce yourself to the fans hey everybody yeah uh I'm Mark and I don't know a lot about sports. I played Little League Baseball, mm-hmm. which was fun. And baseball mm-hmm. is still my favorite sport. Probably the one I know the most about, even though that's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently I've been surrounded by a lot of bros who like sports and know a lot about sports. And that has been interesting. Like uh, during the basketball game, I learned a lot about basketball and my roommates love for LeBron. They, they love LeBron. They do. In case you and they're very excited that he's coming to LA, which is something else I learned recently. Yes, LeBron James, in case you didn't know, he is a professional basketball player who has spent the majority of his career in his hometown of, or home state, should I say, of Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's a city, though, home and state of went, Ohio. He went... <laughs> He went back to Cleveland after yes. a while, didn't he? Yes. And uh, now he's he w- coming He was to at LA. Cleveland. Then he, he took his talents, as he said. Right. He didn't go. He took his talents to Miami. Then he went back to Cleveland, won a championship, um, and now he's going to L.A. Coming I was really to LA. hoping he would go to Houston. Because yes. I figured on the Rockets, if we could have James Harden and LeBron James. Ooh. Two James. Be perfect. James squared. Yes. James times two. Yeah. 
because I was that the only attachment I have to any sports teams is uh, are they from my home city? And if they are, then I root for them. And I was very sad when the Rockets lost to the um, Warriors in the basketball game. The what was that? Playoffs. Yes, the playoffs. Playoffs. All right. So in case you didn't know a little bit of background of us, we are from Texas. Yes. We attended the University of Texas at Austin. I still currently do. Mark has since graduated. graduated. Uh, I grew, grew up, born and raised in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw. Uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Houston. Yes. So my, my experiences with sports, I played pretty much every sport growing up. Uh, I played soccer. Uh, I was terrible at it because I was not aggressive. I didn't like people kicking me in the shins. I don't really have the hand-foot coordination for that. Hand-foot-eye foot, foot, coordination. coordination. Yes. yes. Uh, I also played played lots of uh, little league baseball, softball. I played softball, actually. I played softball in high school because growing up, actually, my main sport that I would play was basketball, but... It's, you know, basketball, it kind of interfered with marching band. And Ah, in Texas, Texas marching band is a big thing. That's where I learned all about football because I didn't know anything about football. Yes, that's where I I came in handy because I would be sitting in the benches with the band nerds and then something would happen and they'd be like, Micah, please explain. I'd be like, okay, this is a flag. This is So that's where I kind I of... I was that friend asking you yes, to explain. Asking, yes. yes, I was good. I was there to explain for people what was happening on the field. But um, yeah, so I played softball in high school because I was like, okay, I, I don't really want to play basketball. I want to play a, I want to play a sport because I like being competitive and like the team kind of feel. Uh, but I don't want to do a lot of running. So naturally softball, you know, you just run... You run the base, what, to base. the base to base and you run to field the ball. It was so embarrassing in high school whenever we would do our running conditioning because our field was literally right next to the track where mm. the the track athletes, the actual right. the, runners, the good people, the fit the people, people the six pack holders, right, 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 as right, right. I would say. Um, so they would do their, their like leg stretching exercises where they would hold on to like the fence and then swing their legs back and forth. Sure. But they would do that holding on to the fence of the softball field while staring. Like it was not even, they weren't even trying to hide it. They were literally staring us down as you know, us like unfit softball players, like huffed and puffed like 20 feet. But you had better arms than them. And that's what matters. Better. Not so sure. Arms. Yes. We had arms. (laughs) And no, they did too. Sprinters though, they're the people who just sprint, they're yeah. they're so buff. The it's the cross country people. The soccer team would sometimes run by us as well. But um yeah. Grew up always went to soccer games, basketball games. My mom would take me to basketball games when I was a baby. I don't know if that's healthy for a baby to be subjected to that kind of You know, your hearing is worse now and that's fine. That's okay. Did you did you say something, Mark? I don't I don't Oh yeah. Well oh my here's God. the thing. Um, so podcast is over. No, yes. just kidding. All right. So that is our kind of our base level knowledge with sports. So we will say, make this clear. We obviously have a Texan bias towards everything. Definitely. We're going to try to give you the facts as straight as possible and keep you informed. So with that in mind, we're going to our first segment, which is headlines. So here we're going to give you the top three sports headlines you should know going into this week so if anyone you know sitting at the bus stop someone's like 
wow, that game, huh? And you're like, yeah, you know, one of three games they could be talking about. All right, so our first headline is the World Cup Final. Woo! So this is actually the subject of this episode, so I'll just kind of glaze over what this is going to be about. So it's this Sunday, July 15th, happening at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is where we are recording in Los Angeles, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time if you're back in Texas, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, or in Russia, I believe it's 6 p.m. there. The teams are France and Croatia. So these two have beat the odds and beat the 32 other teams in the World Cup and will now be playing for the championship. And when looking at the win probability, after 90 minutes, there's a 50% chance currently that France will take home the title, a 21% chance that Croatia will take home the title, and then a 29% chance of a draw after 90 minutes. So if you're hearing that and you're like, what does that all mean? Don't worry, we'll go into that in much more detail. All right, next headline. Next Wednesday night on ESPN will be the ESPY Awards. For those of you who don't know, this is an annual award show put on by ESPN, basically recognizing the best in all different sports between best athletes, best teams, best moments, and other general sports-related awards. I believe they're fan voted so it's kind of more just a show and entertainment a way to celebrate sports i will say though that there's a little bit of controversy over them because some sports people say what's the point of having this showy uh sb celebration when each own sports league has their own awards although i think that the awards actually does a pretty good job in some award categories for example there's the arthur ash award for courage and the jimmy v award for perseverance and they do some really good uh, video pieces uh, sharing stories from different people who have either faced you know hardships or have overcome really unfortunate circumstances so if you want to see some really inspiring stories um, those are two awards that they give out that are usually pretty entertaining to watch you'll probably shed a tear watching that so that's next Wednesday night on ESPN all right the last headline you should know is the finals of Wimbledon are happening this weekend. So this Saturday, we will have the finals of the women's singles, which means just one woman against another woman. Doubles is two people against another two people between Serena Williams and Angelique Kerber. So they're scheduled to play at 2 p.m. However, this could get pushed back a little bit because on Friday, there was a six-hour match between John Eisner of the U.S. and Kevin Anderson of South Africa. Six-hour and 36-minute match, which then pushed back the next men's semifinal between Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. So their play went from after the first semifinal, and then it got to Wimbledon's curfew, which is actually something pretty interesting that Wimbledon does. At 11 p.m., they have a curfew, which means they just suspend all play, and then resume tomorrow. So now the men's match is kind of pushing back the women's match tomorrow during the day, which has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because they see this as the men pushing out what should be the women's prime spot during the day to be able to play. So that is happening. Women's final is on Saturday, and then men's final is on Sunday. So be sure to check that out. And that is 2 p.m. British time for the women's final just keep that in mind. 
All right, now on to our next segment, Word from a Nerd. So in this segment, we're going to have an actual knowledgeable person on this subject introduce the topic for today's podcast. And today's expert or nerd is Eric Goodman, who is the sports director of Texas Student Television and is also working at Fox Sports, actually working the World Cup this summer. So now let's hear Eric Goodman's reason as to why the World Cup is the best sporting event in the world. So for me, there was one image or at least a couple of images that showed me or at least gave me the best reason example why the World Cup is the best sporting event in the world. Um, It happened in England versus Croatia, which was uh, one of the semifinals um, in England. Uh, who you a lot of people associate with soccer. Um, they invented the sport. They hadn't really been doing that well in the last couple World Cups, and this team looked maybe even worse than the others, and they made it to the semifinal, and they scored first. They, get, they got the first goal, a free kick, a beautiful goal um, from uh, a, a ball that stood still that um, a player, Kieran Trippier, kicked into the top corner. Beautiful goal, and they immediately cut to scenes from London, from Manchester, like at least three different cities in England, and in unison, these massive watch parties, everybody, as soon as that goal went in, just liters and liters of beer flew into the sky. It was like an explosion of beer, um, and and it's something that uh, at, at games you feel, and to me, there is no other, let alone sporting event, there is no other thing in the world that will inspire people to waste so much beer because there's so much on the line. It's not a perfect tournament. FIFA is not perfect. There's a lot of corruption. Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases, that makes it more fun, less fun. You know, we have a World Cup coming up in Qatar, which is, makes no sense at all. It might be awful or it might be great as they all are. But think about English men and their beer and what else would inspire them to take a full glass and just hurl it into the sky in celebration because what that shows me is that that goal gave them 10 times a better buzz than any six pack of Guinness would have given them and the World Cup is that feeling everywhere in the world no matter where you go from the United States even if we don't qualify sadly to China to Japan wherever it is uh people are spilling their beer over this tournament and it's unlike anything that I've ever seen in my life. So yes, the World Cup, the only event that will make British people waste their beer. Thank you, Eric, for that lovely rendition. And so now let's get into the main event, the World Cup. Finally. Okay, Mark, what... talking about the World Cup. What is... Mark, explain to us what, what is the World Cup. Uh, it's soccer, or as they call it in England, football. Mm-hmm. What uh, was that? Football? Foot, football. Is that Spanish? With, uh, with an accent over the U. Yes, it is. <laughs> the, the only other language I know besides English. Um, I don't know a lot about the World Cup. I've watched a few of them. They're really early because they're in Russia. Russia, yes. So they've been like 7 a.m. games. Initially, I was rooting for Sweden because that is my heritage. I'm a fourth Swedish. Oh, wow. So I was hoping maybe the motherland would bring home, mm-hmm. I don't know, is it a trophy or yes. a cup? I don't know. The, the World Cup. The World Cup. The cup that holds the world. Uh-huh. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a globe that they put inside <laughs> of like a golden chalice. 
Um, both of my roommates are also super into the World Cup because any fashionable American is into soccer, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, the thing I've noticed. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot. I have watched soccer games before, but I'm not super knowledgeable about any of the stuff that goes on in them. Mm-hmm. I know that soccer players like to pretend to be hurt by very minor things mm-hmm. a lot. Uh-huh. Acting, as, the, as we call it. Uh-huh, yes. Um, I don't know. I just, I know that the World Cup is, it's a lot of countries. It's mm-hmm. not teams, because I know there are teams normally, because there's, I, as part of Spanish class, learning Spanish, mm-hmm. I've had several Spanish professors who were very into um, soccer. I had a Spanish professor from Argentina who was very into Messi, and her team was FC Barca. Mm-hmm. So that was my team whenever anybody asked me. Ah, uh-huh, yes. Because that's you know, the only one I knew. Do you know uh, what country Messi is representing? Or represent- Argentina. Argentina, yes. Because my professor was Argentinian. Oh, wow. So that's that makes why sense. She liked that makes Messi. sense. Yeah. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Lionel Messi, also known as Messi, Leo Messi, he is arguably one of the best soccer player playing currently. Um, some other ones include Cristiano Ronaldo, who plays for Portugal. I've heard at a least lot about him Cup. from my roommates. Yes, he is also known Ronaldo. for his shredded abs. <laughs> we had we had this discussion earlier, but um, me and my roommates had this discussion. Who do you think is the most famous athlete in the world? Because they were saying oh. Ronaldo. Ooh. That's a good question. Um, I'm sure I could easily look this up. Uh, yeah, I would probably have to say probably Ronaldo. I'm trying to think of any other one, other popular sports, like maybe a tennis player, because tennis is also pretty popular worldwide, at least. Right. Definitely, I would not say. I was say. thinking maybe if you like by people who know them mm-hmm. maybe like a cricket player because i feel like cricket is pretty okay, popular yeah, that's in true. densely populated parts of the world that's true i still would probably say a soccer player at least i don't what sports do they play in china does china play soccer were they in the world cup they were not in the world they did but not they do play a, soccer yes uh, they didn't make it to the world cup they're no. like the u.s they're not very good <laughs> sad yes. that that cuts deep yeah so the World Cup. What what exactly is it? So the World Cup, for those of you listening, is a tournament held every four years, like the Olympics, and it's basically a worldwide soccer tournament. It's the soccer tournament, the most prestigious one for all of soccer across the world. And it's run by an organization called FIFA, which... Like the video games. Yes, like the <laughs> video games. If you if you hear someone talking about FIFA, they might be talking about the video game, which is named Most after the, the, US, the, the organization, yes. which is basically the governing body for soccer um, internationally. So FIFA, basically the history of the World Cup, uh, if we go way, way back into our little time machine, soccer was invented in uh, England, actually, back in like mid 19th century and in 1863 the football association the football association created the first codified rules for soccer so back then it was called association football so that's actually where 
us northern americans so canada and the u.s we call it soccer rather than football because it was called association football and so somehow we got associate soccer from association so like sock so so interesting interesting. i didn't know where the word soccer came from yes now you now you all know where soccer came from and we call our football gridiron football right that's the that's like if you go on wikipedia yeah, yeah i think it's labeled as gridiron football like the technical name for it yeah so basically 1863 they create the first codified rules for soccer and then fifa was established in 1904 to basically govern soccer internationally because now it was spreading all over the world where is fifa based fifa is based switzerland that's what i i figured because do you know what the language is because it's Fer- FIFA, Federation, that is Federation International de Football Association. Yes, FIFA stands for what Mark just said, which is basically International Poorly. Federation. So it is French. Yes. But they in... Um, They're in Switzerland. In Switzerland, they speak French. Yes. Among other languages. Spanish, German, Italian, Romanche. I think those are the languages they speak in Switzerland. So basically, one thing that a lot of people ask is why is there an England team in the World Cup and there's not like a United Kingdom? Because right now, as we know it, England is a part of the United Kingdom. Well, basically, kind of the rules of that was obviously, like I mentioned before, soccer was invented in England. And so the first technically international games were between the first international match I should also mention that they're called matches, not games. I'm sorry. The first international match was held in 1872 between England and Scotland. And so now technically they're a part of the same like nation of the United Kingdom. But technically... For now. For now, yes. We'll see Brexit and whatnot. Yes. Um, but yeah, basically the United Kingdom is comprised of a bunch of random islands and then the four main countries which are scotland england wales and northern ireland so each of those um countries each of the four has their own soccer team and they field them as their own separate one and so that's why basically they were the first ones to invent soccer and they were seen as too good if all of the United Kingdom had one soccer team. They're like, no, we can't have that. You have to be four separate ones. So that's basically why there's just England, because I don't think any of the other soccer teams have been performing well enough to make any noticeable marks on the international stage as of recently. But England, as we'll discuss later, has been doing pretty well. That makes sense. That's sort of like Cup. how like you'll have baseball teams that are like for cities but then also for states like the texas rangers and the houston Mm -hmm. astros yeah i feel like that's just like a naming thing though yeah these people i i studied in scotland for a bit and there's some animosity towards england so i don't know if they if the i remember scottish independence yes i I, it's probably a thing that's gonna come up again we'll see we'll see about were you there for brexit I was not. I was there the year after Brexit. So it was like the one year anniversary of Brexit. Nice. So lots of exciting stuff happening with Brexit. Yes. Still hasn't been implemented yet, but. Yeah. They're we'll getting see. closer and closer. Everyone say a prayer for, for the United Kingdom. Yeah. 
Now moving on, so the first World Cup actually happened in 1930, and at this World Cup, I believe, there currently in the World Cup as it is now, there are 32 teams. There were 13 teams at the first World Cup, and it was held in 1930. And so each of these teams was invited to attend the World Cup. It's not a qualifying way as it is now. So basically, over the years, the World Cup has been held every four years, except for 1942 and 46, because that's when the world was busy fighting each other. Sorry. Okay, so hold on. Did... This is this is always weird, because I remember, like, the Olympics and stuff, but I guess there was a World Cup where Nazi Germany was one of the countries? I don't believe so, because they, they didn't have a World Cup during... What was it was? Oh, okay, okay. You're saying before? Yeah. I guess technically, which is a little because it was scary. like 36 by the time it was Nazi Germany. So. So yeah, 1938, wild. It was wild Nazi times. Germany versus. Man, wouldn't it be weird if Nazi Germany had won in 38? Oof. That who did? Who? Let me look. Look at this. Hopefully, somebody. It was. It was Nazi Germany and somebody in the finals, and somebody beat Nazi Germany. The 1938, it was Hungary and Italy, actually. Damn. Okay, well, did Italy... Ugh, Italy, Italy won. won. It was a sign of the times. Italy was it coming was, up to yeah. be fascist with everybody Ooh. else, and they won the World Cup. And... Yeah. Oh, boy. Good history. <laughs> but the World Cup now, fast-forwarding, the way that countries get into the World Cup, like I mentioned, there's 32 teams, but obviously there's more than 32 countries, right? Because the U.S. ain't in the World Cup. So how do we get from all these countries to the teams? Well, it starts with a qualification phase in the years leading up to the World Cup. So the way that this works is that there is all these regional organizations for soccer internationally. So, for example, there is uh, UEFA, which is the Union of European Football Organizations, along with CONCACAF. Which is the the Confederation of North Central American and Caribbean Associations of Football. Just wait until that passes. Okay. So, what the U.S. is a part of is CONCACAF, which is the I hope I really hope I'm saying that right, or else someone's gonna rip me. It's probably not meant to be pronounced out loud. Yeah, the, the Confederation C O N C A C A F. Confederation of North Central American and Caribbean Associations of Football. So there's one basically for every continent. So basically, how you get into the World Cup. This is how it works. So FIFA has allocated the the third there's the 32 spots in the World Cup. One spot automatically goes to the host country. Is that just because of the brackets? Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> Hold on, do they pay to be is it like Olympics where they bid on who gets to be the host country? It's based, yeah, it's like a voting system where each country, and it's different than the Olympics. In the Olympics, it's cities, so a city right. will bid to host the Olympics. Whereas the World Cup, it's a country, a whole country is bidding to host this Do World they, Cup. They only play it in one city, though, right? No, they play it all over. Oh, really? So this is actually the first World Cup to be held in two continents. Since some of the some of the stadiums they're playing in are in the Europe side of right. Russia, and then some are in the Asian yeah. side, so fun fact there. Uh, 
so must like, be hell for like traveling. Oh yeah, <laughs> most of them though are on the on the western side. Yeah. Uh, there's hardly there's no games on the middle or eastern side of Russia. So do you know where they're playing the finals? The uh, final game, the World Cup final. Is it in Moscow? No, actually, yeah, it is in Moscow. Aha, I knew it. Yeah, I feel Putin will that be makes there. sense. So they have 32 teams go to the World Cup. One spot, host country automatically gets it. So Russia is automatically in this World Cup. So how do they choose? It's voting instead of bidding? Yes, it's, it's a voting system. So countries have... it's. An, that's how it is for the Olympics. They each have like a bid, as in like a try to get like a presentation on why they should host the the World Cup. Obviously, I'm sure we'll do a podcast on this eventually. But FIFA is known for corruption, and there was definitely a lot of uh, controversy Russian over Russia. Corruption. Yeah, over Russia getting this. Yeah. But basically, they just do like a you round. You might even say collusion. Maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's a round by round uh, voting. So they had, I believe, five cities vote, and then they just kept voting until Russia had won it. So Russia is holding it. And then, like I said before, there is the regional organizations. So FIFA allocates the 32 spots, this is where it gets kind of weird, between all these confederations, these regional organizations. So the UEFA, the European, the Asian, the African, South American, North American, each get a certain amount of spots in the World Cup. So Africa gets five teams in the World Cup. Uh, Europe Europe gets 13 teams in the World Cup. In the uh, future... The World Cup is actually going to be expanded to forty-eight teams. So I was gonna. So is it thirty-two? Just because that's how the brackets line up nicely. Yeah, they they used to be much smaller, and then just over the years they've just expanded it more and more. But it's got to be like a multiple of two. Yeah, the brackets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Europe has thirteen, and then the other ones are all weird. So Asia gets four point five teams in the World Cup. Oceania gets point five. CONCACAF gets 3.5 and South America gets 4.5. So I know what you're thinking. Say it. Um, Australia is not in the World Cup. This, yeah, that I'm is thinking. true. <laughs> uh, but also, why does it say 4.5? Yeah. Okay. So Asia has 4.5, right? Right. So that means they get four teams. The four best teams in their organization, all the teams, all the Asian teams will play each other. And then the four best teams will go on. And then the fifth best team, they're kind of in jeopardy. And they so have if, to play Oceano's best team? Yes. So okay. there's then an intercontinental playoff Ooh. between like the 0. 0.5, the, like the extra t- team in each one. So Asia, Oceana, CONCACAF, and South America, the ones with 0. 0.5, those last teams will then play each other to determine who will then get into the World Cup. So once that is all settled... You have our 32 teams. Is that what's called the group stage or world stage? Not yet. This is still the qualification to get into the World Cup. Okay. So well, now... The, the 32 teams, though, is that the... Yes. Those are everyone who's playing in the World Cup. The World Cup the... final, technically, as it's called. the okay. Like the final stage. Um, what's the group stage, the world stage? Good good question. So I've heard my roommates talking about that a bunch, too. So right now, the World Cup has not happened. So it's July now. 
Rewind back to December 2017. We have time travel technology for this podcast. Yeah, this is this is high level stuff right here. Spent so a in, lot of money on this. In December 2017, FIFA created the groups for the first part of the World Cup. So in the World Cup, the first stage of the tournament in July is known as the group stage. So basically what happens here is they take these 32 teams and they divide them into eight groups of four and assign them group A through group H. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. And so how this happens is they have this list of 32 teams, right? And so they rank the 32 teams based on their like FIFA world ranking, just how good they are. So they'll rank them one through 32 and then they'll split them into four groups. Are you with me here? Yes. So they haven't been put into their groups yet. They're about to be. But you have the 32 teams, and so that you have, they're split into four pots, they're called. So we have the pot one, the best, the best, through pot four, which is like the worst. Right. So now the way that they determine who's in which group is basically they go in and they literally draw one country out of each pot. So it's basically kind of like a seeding thing. Whereas, so, okay, time to... Because you want the best teams to play the worst teams. Exactly. You don't want all the best teams in one group. You right. want all the best teams to be spread out between the eight groups. Because otherwise, at the end, you'd have a really bad team and a really good team playing each other. Yeah, instead of exactly. Really exactly. So that's how they did it. They split up... They drew one name from each pot and create one group of four countries. And so they did that eight times to create all the different groups for this World Cup. So then... World Cup starts in July, and so that is how we get here. So this is a round-robin type uh, play. So basically what this means is that in one group, so say we have Group A, which is, hold up, let me see who's in Group A. So Group A, we had Uruguay, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. So these were the four teams in Group A. So each country in one group has to play all the other countries. So that means they play three games. Does that make sense? Yes. Because Uruguay has to play Russia, they play Saudi Arabia, and they play Egypt. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, there, when they're playing each other, you acquire points. And so you acquire goals when you're actually playing the sport itself of soccer. Um, you're scoring goals. Obviously, whoever has the most goals wins. But in this group stage, you can also draw, which means tie. So you can win draw or lose if you win a match you get three points if you draw you get one point and if you lose you don't get any points okay so as you're playing these three games you're accumulating points right and so at the end of the group stage and it doesn't matter how much you score in the game no it's just, it's just points when yeah just draw. win lose draw and so then they'll look at your points at the end of the group stage and the two the two teams in your group so there's four teams in each group and the two highest ones in each group um advance to the knockout stage now i know you're probably saying like okay it's probably pretty easy for teams to tie right yeah well yeah i was surprised at how low the scores were in the games like, this is my first time probably seriously watching mm-hmm. soccer, and I didn't realize, like, there was a bunch of, like, 1-to-1 one or 1-to-2 or 1-to-0 scores, mm-hmm. which seems low. Mm-hmm. Are soccer games usually that low scoring? 
I would say honestly, yeah. Like if a team wins five to zero, they destroyed that other team. Like honestly, low scores, zero to three goals is probably what I'd say would be probably how many goals you're going to see on average. So soccer players are just really good at defense. Yes. Usually. Yeah, I would say that it's it's no basketball game. I'll tell you that. Yes. Uh, but. Okay, so you have these four teams in each group, and the top two teams are moving along in into the tournament. Yeah. All right, but what if there's a tie? What if, say, who did we have? <clears throat> Let's say Uruguay and Saudi Arabia both won two games and had one draw. So then they would have, each have, what, seven, seven points? Yeah. Yes. So basically, if there's a tie, then we move on to a tiebreaker. And so there's all these different things, uh, basically a list uh, that the World Cup can go through to see how do we break this tie between teams. So the obviously the first um, tie, the first you know level is just how many points you have. But if there's a tie between that, then you move to the next one, which is goal difference in all your group matches. So that means... Uh, however many goals your team scored minus how many goals your team gave up. Does that make sense? Yeah. So whoever had the biggest goal difference then would move on. Right. Now, if those two are the same, then we go down to number of goals scored in all group matches. So that's how many total goals you scored in all the matches. And then you keep going down this list. And one of the last ones... um, is actually pretty controversial and actually had to be used, I believe, for the first time at this World Cup, which is the fair play like tiebreaker. So the fair play tiebreaker says uh, it looks at the points that you've, you've gathered, right? Win, you get three points, draw one point, lose zero points. And it looks at your penalty cards. So a yellow card in soccer is like a caution. So if you're a player and you do something unsportsmanlike but not too terrible, the official will caution you with a red or a yellow card. Oh, sorry, not a red card, a yellow card. Okay. And so like a yellow light. Yes, exactly. Like a lemon or a banana. Yes. And so this yellow card will take away one point from your total points for each yellow card you got during the during the group stage. And then a red card will which is basically like you did something really bad like, red card uh oh yeah red card means you automatically get ejected from the game uh. so if a player gets a red card that happens and also if you get two yellow cards that that's math it basically equals one red card and you get kicked out as well that's called an indirect red card a direct red card is when it's just straight up when you a red the guy in the face. basically yes when you spit on someone when you cleated someone. What? You get, you get ejected if you spit on someone? It's the same penalty for spitting on someone as punching someone in the face? Yeah, spitting on someone scary. is highly offensive, Mark. Don't uh, tell me sure, you're spitting but, on people on the street. I mean, listen, what I do on the street is my business. Here's the thing, though. If I punch somebody in the face, they would be more mad at me than if I spit in their face. Well, usually. Usually. We'll see. We'll see. 
But basically, this actually happened this World Cup. So in Group G... Somebody spit on somebody in this World Cup. <laughs> no, but the, the fair play tiebreaker had to be used between Japan and Senegal in Group G. And Japan advanced because... They, I was going to say, because they're more polite, they would bow at the end of every... You know, they didn't spit on anybody like Senegal did. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> they both had their, their fair share of... Uh, penalty cards but japan lucked out on that one and they advanced and then the very last one even below the fair play tiebreaker is the drawing of lots tiebreaker so this tiebreaker they draw straws basically they're like well we're literally gonna pick a random person or a random team Flip to go a forward. coin basically um the only time that was ever used was in 1990 between ireland and the netherlands netherlands won it so they were Damn. lucky that time. All right, so and Ireland going... just got sent home with a bunch of potatoes. Oh my, we we can only one can only hope. So going through the group stage, that's already happened through this World Cup. Uh, one big story from this year's group stage was Group F, our our cherished Group F with Sweden, Mexico, South Korea, and Germany. Hell yeah! So Sweden. The yeah, you're you're going for Sweden. I'm I am of Mexican descent, so I guess I, I go for them. I um, had a lot of Mexican friends who were really excited when Mexico beat Germany. That was a big. We also have a Mexican bar really close to our house, and mm-hmm. everybody was freaking out. Oh yes, so yeah, this was the big story um, during the group stage because Germany won the 2014 World Cup in uh, Brazil. And so everyone was saying, okay, they're going to, they're actually favored by a lot to come back and win again. And they ended up dead last in group F out of all their group. Yes. So the ranking below South Korea. Yes. Because what had happened was Mexico beat Germany and South Korea beat Germany. And this is actually a funny thing because did Sweden lose to Germany? Yes, I believe so. But didn't we beat South Korea? Yes. That's weird. Wait, hold up. Let me look at. See by the transitive property that should not have happened. That's the only thing. Yeah, I Germany beat Sweden that. two to one, but South Korea. The South Korean soccer team was basically hailed by the Mexican uh, fans around Mexico because, in order to advance, so the top two teams ended up being Sweden and Mexico. But at the time, Mexico wasn't sure if Germany was going to pull out a win over South Korea. And somehow edge their way into the top two and knock them out. But South Korea ended up beating Germany. And so Mexicans around the world, I guess, were basically cherishing South Korea as like heroes and saviors. And people actually stormed the uh, South Korean consul in Mexico. <laughs> and they took out the, the consul general. And they lifted him like on people's shoulders and Jesus. like parading him around the streets. And he was oh there's a video of him actually taking a shot of tequila with fans in the streets of Wonderful. Mexico. Wow. So that was uh, that was pretty funny. That's something. So other than that, everyone else moved on to. Uh, then comes the knockout stage. So once we enter the knockout stage, this basically becomes a single elimination tournament. So with this, basically it's a bracket where teams are paired against each other and they just play each other in the bracket until it's a winner. So it's so a knockout stage. Uh, big stories from this stage is 
first stage is the round of 16. So we had 13, or not 13, 32 teams in the World Cup, which then divided by two, top two in each group. Now the round of 16 play each other. Uh, Leo Messi, our great soccer player, uh, his team Argentina was defeated by France. And then Mexico, the, the heroes, were defeated by Brazil, a World Cup powerhouse. So Brazil actually has the most ever World Cup wins. They've won five. And three matches actually went into penalty kicks, which is something uh, I'll go over in a second. Um, actually, I'll just go over that now. So how does, how does time work in soccer? Well, how does overtime work? So in soccer, the way the sport is played is there are two 45-minute halves. So it's a 90-minute game. You play two 45-minute halves with a halftime in between. Now, in the group stage, like I said, there could be draws, right? So people could tie. So if there's a tie, game just ends. But obviously, if it's a bracket tournament, someone needs to move on. So the way that they break the tie is they go into overtime. And so overtime is played is a 30-minute overtime. It's two 15-minute halves. And so after these two 15-minute periods, if it's still tied, they go into penalty kicks. And so penalty kicks basically is where you have the goalie or the goalkeeper standing in front of the goal, and you have a player basically standing not too far away from the goal, just take shots into the goal. So you have... Sort of like free throws. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. It's basically a free throw, but for soccer. The very little bit I know about basketball. If you know basketball, so basically it's one player, they take one shot into the goal, make it or not, then they switch to the other team, one player tries to make a shot, and so they do that so that each team has five shots, and so whoever has the most after that wins the game. Or else if it's still tied after that, they keep doing more rounds of five penalty kicks each until someone wins. Uh, they're used to All actually, night. Just all like night the, if they have to. Just like the six-hour tennis match. Just like Wimbledon. There's no curfew in, in FIFA, so they're, they're going until someone wins. Uh, but there used to actually be this concept called the golden goal or the silver goal. Sometimes it's still used, but it's not so much used anymore to kind of avoid penalty kicks. And so the golden goal is like a sudden death goal. So basically if you're in overtime and you score a goal, like you win, that's it, the game's over. The way it is now in overtime, if you score a goal, like you still play the whole 30 minutes of the overtime. But the golden goal used to be a thing, not so much anymore. Uh, But then we go into the quarterfinals of the World Cup, which is where there are eight teams left, so that already happened as well. Uh, Brazil was knocked out by Belgium, and Croatia knocked out our our home country, Mother Russia, in penalty kicks. I was actually watching that game at the gym, and there's this um, Iranian woman there who was very much overjoyed when Russia was uh, kicked out of the tournament. Man, very, I can't imagine why. Very funny to see that. Uh, so then we go into the semifinals. The final four, four teams left. Uh, France defeated Belgium one to nothing, and Croatia defeated uh, England two to one. So now we've got our final two teams, France and Croatia. Woo! Oh man. Yeah. So France has been around for a while. They're kind of they've won in 1998. Other than that, they haven't. 
they've made lots of attempts, but this is kind of, you know, their big, big comeback. Uh, they played in the first World Cup back all the way in 1930. They were runners up in 2006, like I mentioned before, crushingly lost on penalty kicks. I can't even imagine what that must be like. Um, but they're known as the Blues. That is the French, the French jerseys. Playing against Croatia, who are known as the Blazers. So Croatia actually hasn't been around too long. Obviously, they only gained their independence in 1991 from Yugoslavia. Uh, but be on the lookout. It's definitely going to be exciting either way. Uh, whoever wins this thing. Because, I mean, now just looking from just the cultural impact of the World Cup. The, did you know that like the World Cup is the fourth most value valuable sports brand? And it's worth $170 million per day of the World Cup. Behind which... Is Super Bowl more valuable? Yes, I want to say the Super Bowl and the Olympics. The two Olympics. Oh. The summer and the winter ones, yes. So yeah, that is the impact of the World Cup. And Russia, they have spent $11.8 billion on... (laughs) <laughs> building all the infrastructure needed for this thing to go on like this this is insane here i saw it's been really cool seeing um like people in russia because they had the last olympics too right um and they don't allow any lgbt stuff and mm-hmm. there have been people who have been i saw for the world cup people who dressed in rainbow jerseys and mm-hmm. then they would sit in the rainbow pattern just around russia and take pictures mm-hmm. which was a cool way to like show up russia and mm-hmm. their cultural mores about that yeah that's that's pretty brave of them honestly yeah I, like <laughs> props to those people I mean, worst case scenario, they just go scatter, and then they're just a bunch of random colors. That's true. Yeah, camouflage, camouflage. Um, but yeah, this this year's World Cup is expected to have total over all the games three point four billion viewers. Like the most watched World Cup has only ever had hundred half the world. A hundred and fourteen million viewers, and. The last World Cup final, so just the final game, had 1 billion viewers. So literally 10 times as many people watched the World Cup final as they watched the Super Bowl. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, though, because there's more people in the world who care about soccer than they do football. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I know there's just been a whole lot of you know, people saying, are people still going to watch in the U.S.? Because the U.S. isn't in the World Cup this year. Um and so going back to the whole qualification thing, yeah, the U.S. didn't make it. They weren't one of the 3.5 teams who made it. But, you know, we will rebuild. We will rebuild. Maybe. Probably not. You know? If I'm being honest, I don't see a bright future for the U.S. in soccer. I think I think we might be heading on the right track. We'll see. We'll see. I think the women are going there for sure. Oh, the women are already there. The women yeah. have been there. They've, they're at the top. Like our our women's team is incredible. Who is it? Hope Solo is she on the team still? Hope Solo, yeah, she's the goalkeeper. She's like the one that I know. Yeah, they have a whole host of talented athletes, and they'll continue to keep doing their thing because 
they're awesome. Yeah. And they're our only soccer hope as of now, as of now. Uh, But yeah, should we move on to our next segment? Sure. All right. So now we'll answer your questions. Listener questions. So I, I've I've gathered some questions from people on on things they had they wanted to know about the World Cup. So I'm glad to be here for this. Glad that I can help answer these questions. Yes, yes, Mark, <laughs> help us. So Katie asked, why do they? Why do they? I'm guessing they, soccer. The soccer overlords. Why do they run the clock up rather than down? So after doing some research, it seemed like the most common answer I found was that kind of because soccer is so widespread around the world and people from rich extremely rich people to extremely impoverished people are playing soccer that they want it to be able so if someone with an analog watch was playing soccer they could just watch the clock go up and not stop it because something if you don't know about the rules of soccer in a lot of sports the clock if it's a time timed sport as in they're playing for a certain amount of time they'll have the time set so for example in football they play four 15 minute quarters they'll count down from 15 until they stop and whenever play stops they'll stop the time and then restart it when time goes so that's how it is for football but for soccer once the kickoff happens they start the time and then the type the time keeps running up. Like, it just keeps going up and up and up. Do they have timeouts in soccer? They do not. So basically what happens is uh, during the game, they'll have players substitute in and out. Like, you can substitute players. Um, Whenever someone scores a goal, they'll, like, celebrate. Whenever there's a foul or someone kicks the ball out of bounds, they'll they'll just stop and they'll – you know resume play but they won't actually stop the clock they'll keep the clock running what happens though is there's a fourth official who basically keeps track of kind of the dead time so if there's an injury if people are celebrating a goal basically kind of wasted time yeah um and so at the end of each half or period of time of play in soccer so let's say they're playing the first half all the way up to 45 minutes So they play and they're at 45 minutes. It reaches 45 minutes. The referee will announce stoppage time. So stoppage time is basically, it's so just like dependent on the referee. They'll say, okay, this is how much extra time. It's basically extra time. This is how much stoppage time we'll add to the game based on how much like dead time we've seen during this half. So... For example, they might add one minute or they might add like three minutes yeah. to the end. And the thing that's interesting about soccer is that, that you like, you know, in basketball, I always used to imagine I would take that last second shot, like the clock's right, winding down, Michael Jordan dribbling, three, two, one, you take the shot, you hit it, you're, you win the game. Yeah. But in soccer, the game ends basically when the referee blows their whistle. And that technically could be like any time right so you don't really know when the game is going to end you can kind of feel when it's going to end based on how much stoppage time they say yeah but it usually happens when like a play or a move kind of ends the referee will just blow their whistle and the game will be over just like that so that's 
something as exact as like three second countdown that doesn't really happen in soccer like there are last minute goals and things like that yeah but there's not like a clock with like 10 9 8 you just gotta wait until the referee blows their whistle interesting yeah so that's that's why they run the clock up rather than down uh okay so then erica asked how do they keep time of possession so this is a statistic in soccer and at first i was like well, duh, they just time whenever one team has the ball and then whenever the other team has the ball. But then they thought about it. It's like, well, no, soccer is really different because in a game like football, it's really easy to know when one team has the ball and the other team doesn't because either the offensive team will be out or the defensive team will be out. Right. So time of possession means time when you have the ball and you're you're owning it, basically. But in soccer, it's so back and forth where one team is kicking it and then it gets intercepted by another another player. So there's two different main methods that are being used to keep time of this. The first is the delta tray, uh, deltator, I don't know how you say it. It's the manual method where basically one person is watching with a device that has three buttons. And so they push one button when team A has the ball, they push another button when team B has the ball, and then they push another a third button when the ball goes out of bounds. Sounds complicated. So I don't know about that. Yeah, that's basically how they keep track of when one team has the ball versus when another team has the ball. Um, and but there's another method called Opta Sports, which uses a software that they put over the field that kind of keeps track of how many passes are occurring between the players. Computers taking the jobs. I know. Got to got to lay off artificial the, intelligence. They're in, infiltrating sports. Uh huh. So it's, basically, it's how that works <laughs> is they count the number of completed passes made by the one team and divide it by the number of completed passes that happen total in the game. And so some people criticize this because they say some teams pass within each other more than another team so teams that like to pass between each other get credited as having more time of possession than another team would so does that make sense yeah does that does time of possession count for anything other than just like just for like statistics keeping and records and whatnot nerds it's for the nerds erica's a nerd yeah (laughs) but uh the world cup uses the manual method where someone pushes the buttons sure because so they don't want to take away jobs from hardworking humans. Exactly. Uh, so then Rolando asked, what is the penalty for flopping or diving? So in soccer, uh, fouls happen. Fouls are different from when you get a penalty card. Uh, fouls are just kind of like really light. Like, oh, you kind of went too hard at the ball and knocked someone down by accident. It wasn't unsportsmanlike. So then they just like immediately get up and restart play. Uh, so players will dive or flop in order to kind of uh, exaggerate so that they've been fouled. So that like the, we were talking the, about earlier. Yes, so that the referee can there. see. And so technically, if it's being seen as like unsportsmanlike that you're doing this a lot, you can actually get a yellow card for flopping. Although it's not really seen very much, so you floppers, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, and then Rolando also asked, why do countries other than the USA seem to have better quality players? Oh, I feel. Is it the lack of football yes. here in the US? 
like here in the USA. Um, Which is weird. I think probably by the time that our generation is playing professionally, I think we'll have a lot better because it seems like all throughout middle school and high school, I had a bunch of friends who were playing soccer. Mm -hmm. Whereas like our parents' generation didn't really have that Mm -hmm. culture. It sort of penetrated more in the recent years, I feel like. Yeah, it definitely seems to me like with, this is just an anecdotal thing, but with globalization and people being more connected, that soccer is definitely becoming more of a thing uh, here in the U.S. It's definitely, uh, if you want to get historical on it though, it definitely emerged a lot more in the 90s in the U.S. because of uh, both the Summer Olympics happening in Los Angeles in 1984, which then was a catalyst for the U.S. actually hosting the World Cup in 1994, which kind of boosted Which this. gave us our automatic spot. Yes, which gave us our automatic spot in 1994. Let me guess, we were out in the group stage. Uh, actually don't know that, but we but definitely probably, did not likely. win. No. Uh, but basically, there's lots of reasons why people have said, like, you know, why can a tiny country like Iceland, you know, get into the World Cup and then the U.S., why can't we do it? So there's kind of... Well, and it seems odd, too, because the U.S. excels at, like, all the Olympic sports, mm-hmm. which are all sort of odd, mm-hmm. not very often played team sports here, so... Yeah, there's definitely been kind of a lot, lots of countries. So if you really think about it, soccer is the main sport for a lot of countries. So when that's your main sport, you're going to put a lot of investment into developing really young talent from a lot of different places. And with the US, lots of really good young talent is being developed for things like football, basketball, baseball, right. you know, the more popular sports. The better sports. <laughs> wow, throwing throwing shade. Just baseball. Uh so basically that and there's also kind of a little bit of a, a sense of pay to play culture where almost soccer is seen as a rich kid sport here in soccer or here in the u.s yeah i see that uh, for sure where lots of like soccer academies and things like that you have to pay to use and really are developing like mediocre rich kids instead of um kind of poorer kids that may actually be really good at soccer and right. aren't getting the same opportunities right. so there's been a little bit of controversy on that and just a lot of lack of coaching and leadership like talent like the U.S. men's team, uh, they've gone through a slew of coaches in the past few years. They were helmed by Jurgen Klinsmann for a while, who then left, and then Bruce Arenas took over. And for a hot second, it looked like, okay, he was going to get the U.S. into the World Cup. And then they turned into a hot mess and or did not get into the World Cup. And so he resigned, and so we had an interim coach. And now in August, we're getting Ernie Stewart as our coach. So until we have some solid leadership, it's definitely going to be hard, I believe, to uh, go anywhere as a soccer team. But I would just like to mention our women are great, though. Uh, Hell yeah. Some reasons that people have talked about for that is just because obviously the U.S. is kind of more of a developed nation when it comes to women's rights. Because obviously if you come from a nation where women don't have very many rights... They're probably not going to have a good women's soccer team. Not a lot of Saudi Arabian women playing soccer, huh? Uh, not not at the level of the U.S. women. So, Also, Title IX was an important thing for that. Because, obviously, if women can 
need to play as many sports as men do, what sports are they going to play? One of them was soccer, yeah. So that increased soccer participation in the 70s and the 80s for women. So thank you, listeners, for your awesome questions. Now it's time for the guest quiz. Now it's time for our trivia with our guest. So basically, I am going to ask you random trivia questions that may or may not be directly related to the World Cup. Okay. Um, and we're just going to see how well you do. And well. uh, hopefully as the weeks go by, we'll see how our different guests fare when it I'm comes hold to the, record the sports. Until next week. Are right, you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Ooh, question one. This is the first time a World Cup has been held in two continents at the same time. I mentioned that. As Russia spans Europe and Asia. So, Mark, how many other countries are in multiple continents contiguously? Are we counting... They have to be contiguous, so it can't be like one country has islands somewhere random across the world. Are we counting... How how does the middle what what continent is the Middle East on? Is it in two? I don't know, Mark. What continent is the Middle East on? I mean, I would say Africa, but I feel like that's a debated topic. Um, what's the question? How many countries? How, how many? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. There's at least one, which is Russia. Right. Uh. I would say technically not more than one, but if I had to say there was more than one, I would mm-hmm. say it was the countries in the Middle East, which there are probably 15 of. Is that your final answer? I'd say 16 is 16. my final answer. Okay. Well, the correct answer is six. Six. So it is Egypt, which is Africa. Yeah, it's it's the Middle East Middle is Eastern Asia. Countries. Yeah, so it is Asia. Yeah, the Middle East is Asia. Okay. Uh, and so it's Asian and African, so that's that country, and then we also have uh, the Caucasus. So Turkey, Azerbaijan, uh, not Turkey, but Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and then Turkey. Also Turkey. Okay. Those are European and Asian. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Next question. The mascot for this year's World Cup is a character named Zabivaka, which is an anthropomorphic character of this mammal that is native to North America and Eurasia and also has 38 subspecies according to Mammal Species of the World. <laughs> Um, <laughs> is it an, uh, no, hold on. Mammal native to North America and Eurasia. It's a, it's a Northern Hemisphere. Mammal. Elk. Final answer? Yeah. <laughs> it's a wolf. Damn. So, yes, it's a wolf, and Zabivaka means goal scorer. In Russian? Yes. So that is that. All right, next question. Question three. This year's World Cup official song is Live It Up 
by Nikki Jam, Will Smith. Yes, that Will Smith. Does he do a rap in the middle of it? Yes. <laughs> and Era Estreffi. Now, the official 1998 World Cup was performed by which artist whose performance of the song at the 1999 Grammy Awards was credited for bringing Latin pop to the forefront of the U.S. music scene? I have to guess the artist? Yes. Shakira. At, at least according to Wikipedia. Nope. Although she did sing um, the one for South the, Africa in 2010. Yeah. Waka waka. waka. waka eh, yeah. Eh. This time for Africa. Of. Yes. So yes, the World Cup has sometimes an official anthem and a, an official song to go along with it. So who was it? Do you give up? Oh yeah, because yeah, your guess was Shakira. Shakira. Uh, the song was La Copa de la Vida, The Cup of Life by Ricky Martin. Sure. Have you never heard? It's like, oh, 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 ole, ole, ole. Here we go, ole, ole, ole. Go, 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 ole, ole, ole. But yeah, something interesting to know is he performed that song in the February, the February Grammy Awards, the Grammy Awards, which are held in February. And mm. then one month later, uh, he released his signature song, Live in La Viva Loca. Sure. So, which became number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. So, thanks, World Cup, for giving us the beautiful Ricky Oh, I forgot. I keep forgetting there's actually six questions I wrote for this. Okay. Anyways. So, like you mentioned before, there were fears about holding the World Cup in Russia because Russia is notably anti-gay and has a lot of discrimination against gay people. Right. Now, currently, there is only one openly gay male... I repeat, male athlete in the top five major leagues in the United States. Which sport does he play? So out of the top five major leagues. I feel like I knew this one. There are five. Yes, there are five top major leagues. Football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. say basketball damn it's the sport we've been talking about this whole time soccer yes it is colin martin who plays for the minnesota united for major league soccer here in the u.s he actually just came out two weeks ago so man that's sad that there's only one one gay gay male i keep having to repeat that because there are plenty of uh, gay women um, and he's also the only gay man in a top division professional men's national soccer league. So that's pretty insane, I think. Yeah. Um, we stand our gay athletes. Absolutely. Congrats, <laughs> Colin. All right, last Too one. bad you'll never be in a World Cup oh while you play for the U.S. Ooh. Uh, last question. Before the start of the World Cup, Spanish and German goalkeepers criticized the official World Cup ball, the Adidas Telstar 18, saying it was hard to hold on to sure. and had other issues. Makes sense. Now, Deflate gate. This is a uh, this is a multiple choice question. Good, I can get this one right better than. <laughs> uh, all right, so where does the name Adidas come from? Oh, Jesus. Is it the name of a Norse god? Is it an acronym 
Or was it the name of the founder? Uh, I think it's the founder's name. Final answer? Yes. Yeah, you got yes! it! Yes! One point! Yes, yeah, so... I'm the, I'm the winner with one point, the lead until next week. So the, the founder of Adidas is German. His name is Adolf Dassler. Sure. So right, 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 Adi right, 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 right. Das. So Adidas. Adolf. So it's a portmanteau. I think that's how you say the word. Yes. Of his first and his last name. The first part of his first name, the first part of his last name. Good old Adolf. Together. Using those Adolf balls. Those Adolf shoes you got. Yes. Just want everybody to know that the, the shoes you're wearing Adidas. are made by a guy named Adolf. Woo. It's, there's actually a misconception, though, that... That all isn't... people named Adolf are Nazis. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that um, the, the name is an acronym, which that is All Day I Dream About Sports. That is not oh, true. Oh, man. <laughs> Props to whoever came up with that one, though. See, I knew it couldn't be a Norse god because uh-huh. I'm Swedish and I know a lot about the Norse gods. Oh, really? Wow. Well, I know a fair amount about the Norse gods. Yeah, I was trying to get you there because Nike is named after the Greek right. goddess of victory. So right. I was trying to get you on that one. But yeah, it's Adolf Dassler. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad we got through this podcast. Finally. It's yes. finally over. Shoot me any questions that you may have about any sports topics, and I'll try to answer it here. Hopefully, you know a little bit more about the World Cup than you knew before this podcast. If you're more confused about it than you were before, I apologize. <laughs> we tried our best. Uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to the next one and hopefully improving this podcast. We're going to learn a lot about uh, this is our fir- my first podcast that I've ever done like myself. And so thank you, Mark, for coming on. You're welcome. And enduring all this sports facts and yeah. knowledge. So Learning a lot. Yeah, so I hope you, you all have learned a lot. And I hope you guys tune into the World Cup and that this podcast was a home run. All right, thank you so much, Mark, for coming out to our show. Yeah, glad to be here. So where where can people find you? Um, I'm at Mark Maelstrom on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, M-A-L-S-T-R-O-M, Maelstrom, Swedish. Oh, fancy. Like I haven't said yet. (laughs) The the Norse folks. Yes. Um, And I also have a podcast called Bad Romance. You can listen at anchor.fm slash badromance, and we'll have some new episodes soon. It's fun. Ooh, exciting. Mm-hmm. Lots of romance in the air. Yes. Or bad romance, bad romance. stinking it up. Yes. <laughs> Terrible stories. Oh, that sounds awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Micah on the mic, M-Y-K-A on the M-I-C. And you can find Disqualified at anchor.fm slash disqualified. And we'll soon be coming to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. Avast there. This has been a Pirate Radio podcast.